This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The Darkness Awaits. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, it's Jerry with Hillbilly Horror Stories, and I'm actually sitting in with a legend in the paranormal world, Mr. Bobby Mackey, who is the owner of uh, Bobby Mackey's Music World, the most haunted nightclub in the United States. Bobby, can you say a big hi to all the fans out there that, that absolutely love you in Hillbilly Horror Land? Hey folks, I'm Bobby Mackey here in Wilder, Kentucky, and we want to send out a, a big hello to all of our paranormal fans out there. Way back in the 30s in the little town of Wilder Lived an old man and his lovely little daughter They ran gambling for a living It was the best place around All the men would come and lay their money down Her daddy was a jealous man But Johanna fell in love Kept saying the man dealt a bad hand So deep in the night When all the world is quiet Someone came and took her lover's life Johanna, Johanna Where are you now? Could it be you're still here somehow? to episode 84 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. My name is Jerry and I'm joined by my lovely wife, Tracy. Hello, everybody. And we are super excited about this episode. Yeah, go cats. Okay, that had nothing to do with it. But yes, since we did beat the evil Tennessee volunteers today, whoop, we will whoop. give a shout out to our University of Kentucky Wildcats, SEC champions again. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, so let's get back to where people focus on this show mostly for, which is the paranormal, not... I'm excited about this show. You know, sports. Um, I'm, I'm excited, too, because we're doing a reboot, uh, or I guess as, as Phil Holmes from Scared said, I should call it a revisit to Bobby Mackey's. I do like that, actually. Yeah, because reboot, as he pointed out to me, kind of sounds like you're like tearing something down and just redoing it all over, and that's True. not what we're really that's doing. That's not what we're doing. But it's somewhat similar to what we're doing to this particular episode. Now, if you've been with us from the very beginning, when Ricky and I hosted the show, we did an episode on Bobby Mackey's. It was actually episode six. It was a tad bit crude, rude, and really quick. It was like a 25-minute show. And this is probably going to be a closer to a two-hour show. Whoa. What does that mean for you guys? It means we're going to get into a whole lot more details than what Ricky and I got into. No, oh, good. So we uh, we had kind of put it, talked to some of the uh, listeners out there that suggested that we do some of these older episodes. Because we did some good stories back then, but we just kind of glossed over most of the facts and details and just got to the nuts and bolts of it without really covering a whole lot of detail on it. And that's what we're going to do different tonight. And I think you guys are going to be extremely happy with what we've got prepared. Well, we hope so. We're very excited to redo this. Yes, because Tracy wasn't part of the last one, obviously. That's when they were losers. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So this is going to be really fun because I think what you're going to find that the way that I've structured this one tonight is it's going to be all about the haunting of Bobby Mackey's, but... It's going to be more about how we got to the hauntings. Why is the place so haunted? And with that being said, we're going to start covering uh, the stories that lead up to that. And it's going to almost be, some of it's going to be more true crime mm-hmm. sounding. Um, but, it, you know, they, they actually had one of the bigger scandals on uh, two rich boys that commit a murder in that town that actually, you know, is the main focal point of what people say are the hauntings here. So I, I think that we're going to give you a lot more details than you normally hear on Bobby Mackey's because that particular story alone. Okay, sounds great to me. So let's get into the, um, before we get too deep into this, let's go ahead and thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent, we thank you wholeheartedly. Yes, we love you guys so much. Um, Continue prayers for you guys every day. And thank you for keeping us safe. God bless you. I also want to give a special shout out to the Lexington, Kentucky Police Department, uh, because uh, just a couple of days ago, in the last couple of weeks, there's been three different high schools in Lexington that have had uh, threats of guns being brought to school that they've acted on and done a really good job on. And unfortunately, just the other day, there was a student at one of the high schools that actually did bring a gun to school. Uh, For what reason? It wasn't for anything malicious. He was just, I guess, kind of showing off with it, but he accidentally shot himself. He's going to be fine. Um, but they were all over it and were there very quick. And, and, you know, it's nice to know that in today's world of a situation like that arises, that you've got the uh, competent police force that's able to just jump right in there. They were, they were there in, in yeah, they were. just a couple of minutes. Yeah, so. they were. Thank you guys so much. Tracy, would you like to, uh, talk about our new iTunes reviews this week? Sure. Uh, we love our reviews. Keep them coming. We had one from 096 Pixie. JPWV79, Loopy Loop Star, and Andy Pauline. Thank you guys so much for your reviews. They were very kind, and we appreciate y'all so much. And you know how we love those reviews, so keep them coming. We also had uh, some Patreon support this week. Uh, Matthew Harp, 
Thank you, Matthew. We appreciate you, honey. Yep. Thank you so much. And we got a very cool uh, story coming your way. It's, it's uh, the Patreon episode that we got coming next week is going to be all on haunted places in Cincinnati. Oh, Great. So we're going to do, I've got like six different stories lined up. Wow. That's, that's going to be really cool. That's going to be fun. Including the Cincinnati Zoo. Who would think that? You're kidding. No, haunted by a lion. Oh, wow. I was going to think that it would have been Harambe. Yeah. The gorilla that was shot, but yeah. it's actually a lion. Well, I can't wait to hear that story. Great. Good. So that's, that's going to be kind of fun. Uh wanted to throw out a quick plug because we haven't done this enough, but podcasts we listen to. Uh, obviously, is a fantastic site on Facebook. Uh-huh. About eighteen thousand members strong, maybe even a little more than that. No, now. I think it's more. I think it's closer to nineteen thousand. But they're having their Potter and Love podcast festival. That's you know for people who just love podcasts. Yeah. And that's what it's about. It's come out and see all kinds of people. That is in uh, what is it, August tenth through mm-hmm. the twelfth, and it's going to be in New Orleans. I'm so excited about this! Yeah, Tracy and I were invited. Uh, by Jeremy Collins and and uh, uh, Dina Marie from Twisted Phillies yes, helping put this thing on and a few others, but we were invited to be a part of that and we are so thankful. So oh, if we you, are. especially if you guys are in anywhere close to that area, it would be a, a good idea to be able to, to jump on there. And what we'll do a little bit later, I'll post the link on our Facebook page so yeah. you can actually go to it and check out tickets and stuff like that. But hold off on buying tickets because Jeremy is going to give us a code. It'll save you a little bit of money on oh, those tickets. Oh, great. Good job, so. Jeremy. It's going to be so fun. I'm, I mean, I have never been there before, so I'm extremely excited. And just to be going there and then getting to meet all the podcasters and all the, the fans and all that, it's just going to be truly amazing. Oh, there's, I mean, that's, I'm so excited. And that's going to be the main reason to go to the website to see how many podcasters. Yeah. I mean, we're going to be there, obviously. And then you've got the Rumor Flies guys, which are actually mm-hmm. uh, from down that area. You've got uh, Pleasing Terrors is going to be there. History yes. Goes Bump, Twisted Phillies, podcast we listen to, uh, Generation Y. There are so many that I can't even name. I think oh, we've gosh. got like 25 already set up and there's more coming. But yeah, it's some fantastic shows that are going to be down there. And it'd be it's going to be a really fun event. I know. And Jerry's like done told me like a dozen places he wants to go and i'm like how are we going to squeeze all this in yeah, yeah, i mean he's like it's like christmas time for him he cannot wait yeah. i mean i can't either but he's so excited yeah because we're going to go to the myrtles plantation oh definitely while we're down there it's about an hour away and we are definitely going to go to uh what was the uh st louis mm-hmm. cemetery where marie laveau is and then we're going to go on um to uh madame lorie's lorie's house and probably so yeah i'm i'm so excited I feel exhausted already, <laughs> and it's so far away, <laughs> but it's a good exhaustion. Oh, so. and on the way, on the way, we're going to stop in um, uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and see the Dead Children's Playground. Oh, my gosh. Ooh. So, yeah, it's going to be very fun. And, yeah. you know, while we're down in that area, we may even stop and see Sloss Furnace. <laughs> sloth furniture I know. we may stop and see sloth furniture uh, that would be kind of cool I'd like to see that so yeah that's we're going to make a road trip from hell out of this thing well yeah hopefully not so let's talk about Bobby Mackey's now I can't say enough about this place it's one of my favorite places it's on about every top 10 list every ghost hunter show has been there mm-hmm. uh, some of them twice I think ghost adventure has been back twice oh yeah and it's a place that Tracy and I have been to on several occasions mm-hmm. now. 
And we had the privilege to, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a couple of listeners come in, Jackie Getz and, and our friend Wendy came in, and we actually took them up there for a little tour, and they, they got to uh, meet Bobby Mackey themselves. And Bobby was, that was the, the little song that you heard at the beginning is actually Bobby Mackey singing a song about Johanna, which is one of the infamous ghosts that we'll get into her story a little bit later. And I'm going to put that full song at the very end of the episode so you can actually listen to it in, uh, in full if you want to. Now, also at the end of this episode, this is, there's so much going on here. It's, it's going to be so fun. But at, also at the very end, Bobby and his wife, Janet, back in 1991, did an interview with Jerry Springer back before he was doing pregnancy tests. and, and <laughs> Before he got crazy. Yeah, your, your wife, you know, had an affair with an epileptic aardvark and yeah. all that type of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that he usually had had a, an, a real talk show. Yeah. That was uh, actually as good as any talk show that's on out there right now. And Harry Potter glasses, by the way. I think he's the one <laughs> invented that. But go ahead. But he actually had Bobby and Janet on the show. It's about a 15-minute interview. But I'm going to um, gonna play that at the very end. So that way, if you don't want to listen to it, you don't have to, obviously, yeah. you go right at the end of the show. But it, it's worth listening to because it's got Janet telling her story, which we'll talk about her story but she tells it in her own words. You got Bobby talking about how he doesn't believe in ghosts, which he's always said. And then Carl Lawson, who we'll get into in a little bit, he's actually got an interview on there. So it's worth listening to. I think you're going to love it. Also on tonight's show is um, the paranormal group that actually does all of the uh, tours there at Bobby Mackey's mm-hmm. House for the last five years, uh, Gatekeeper Paranormal. Laura and Angie from Gatekeeper were nice enough to come on and do an interview with us and tell us some of the things that they've seen and, you know, during these uh, tours that they give. Right. So, pretty cool. So, are we ready to get into the story? Yes, sir. I'm ready. Let's go. I don't think I've been more excited to do a, a show in a long time, so uh, let's jump right into it. So, Bobby Mackey's is actually located in Wilder, Kentucky. Uh, Wilder is just south of Cincinnati on the other side of the Ohio River, so if you're in Cincinnati, you cross the bridge. There's a city called Covington, which is kind of a suburb. You know, even though it's not in the same state, it's almost a suburb uh, of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And Wilder is, is five minutes from there, right. basically. So it's a little small town. It's important to point out that the building that's there right now where Bobby Mackey's is, is not the original building that was constructed on the land. The property the, that the building is on has a very bloody and dark history, though. Originally, there was a slaughterhouse there, and it was built in the 1850s. For years, it was the largest meatpacking facility in the area. And in the basement, there was a well. And I'm sure most of you have heard about this well. But this well was used to draw all the blood um, from the animals when they would would take the blood. Mm -hmm. They drained it down this well and in any other kind of debris that might have been left over from the animals. I know. And all this stuff would drain out the back to the Licking River. And that's gross. Well, they definitely did things a little bit different in the 1850s. The slaughterhouse was closed in the 1890s, and legend has it that even though the slaughterhouse was no longer used in the property to slaughter animals, it was still being used for similar purpose, but with a much more evil reason. Yeah. It's said that the basement of the packing house became a ritual site for occultists. They sacrificed small animals during these ceremonies, and then they dumped their bodies into the well. Hmm, that's not nice. So we've established that the building isn't the original building, but it is built over top of this same well. And that's all that remains from the original building. That's it? That's it. I didn't even realize that. Now, there are three really famous stories that involve Bobby Mackey's. Um, 
property and instigate most of the stories that involve these hauntings. Okay. So how much of it is true and how much of it is myth? I'm going to let you decide, but we'll give you all the the facts that we know and all the legend Mm -hmm. first. And that's what we're going to cover first. We're going to get to the very first story, which is the story of a very attractive young woman from Greencastle, Indiana, by the name of Pearl Bryan. You don't usually get to hear much about uh, Pearl except for the tragic part of the death, which uh, most people know and and attribute to one of the hauntings of Bobby Mackey's. But I thought this was a, a disservice to this young lady. So I wanted to try to share a little more about her and, and tell more about her history so you could actually find out about her. Well, now, that's very nice. Her father was actually a wealthy farmer, and she was the youngest of 12 children, which was pretty common back in that day because they obviously didn't know how to keep their thing in their pants. So Pearl graduated from Greencastle High School in 1892, and she had lots of young men that are interested in her. Uh, obviously, being an attractive young woman at this age, that's kind of what you would expect. By the age of 22, in 1896, she was one of the most popular girls in the area. Now, Pearl was hiding a very dark secret, though. She was pregnant. In this time period, being pregnant out of wedlock was something that would get you shunned in the society, and no matter who you were, it would bring shame onto your family. So her cousin, a gentleman by the name of William Wood, uh, had introduced her to a guy named Scott Jackson. So we're going to get into how she got in this predicament. They had sex? I'm going to assume. Okay. I didn't I didn't see that written, but we're going to assume that's the, the case. So Scott was a student at uh, Ohio College of Dental Surgery in Cincinnati. Okay. Which wasn't too far away from her, obviously. Uh, her cousin was attending a medical school at DePaul University, and uh, that William Wood we're talking about. He became really good friends with Scott Jackson. Now, what Wood didn't know is that Jackson was a member of the occult group that actually met at the former slaughterhouse in Wilder, Kentucky. Oh, and Ninja is just fascinated by that. <laughs> Jackson's family was wealthy as well, so he was kind of accepted by Pearl's family as a perfect suitor for her, and he soon got her pregnant. Through well, well, we know how that happened. No need for details there. Pearl confided in her cousin, and uh, he then told Scott Jackson about the problem. Scott made arrangements to have an abortion in Cincinnati. Pearl left her parents' home on February 1st, 1896, and told them she was going to Indianapolis. Instead, she was actually going to meet Scott Jackson and his roommate, Alonzo Walling, in Cincinnati. It would be the last time that her parents would see Pearl alive. She was five months pregnant at this time. What you may not have figured out at this point is that they weren't going to a doctor. This was something Jackson planned on taking care of himself. And apparently his medical skills for this type of procedure weren't as good as he thought or her cousin uh, William Wood thought. God, I would have been scared to death. So he tried to do the abortion beforehand uh, by sending her some chemicals in the mail that he thought would take care of the baby. And apparently it was cocaine. Oh. Yeah. So because they actually found it when they did autopsy, they found cocaine in her system. So that didn't work. So he gets her in this situation. They're there. And uh, this time he tried to use his dental tools, but he botched it. Okay. He's at the wrong end. Right. Sorry. So after a little over an hour of of trying, Jackson and Walling had uh, a young lady that was scared, injured, and bleeding on their hands. Oh, God. Bless your heart. Things took a darker turn after that, if you can believe it. So the three actually crossed the bridge into Kentucky. 
Jackson then took them to this little secluded spot by Fort Thomas, which is a little town on northern Kentucky. Mm-hmm. That's where Jackson and Walling actually killed Pearl Bryan. They used dental instruments to sever Pearl's head just below the fifth uh, vertebrae. What kind of dental instruments was that? I have no idea. Because we sure don't use them in our office. A doctor who later examined the body said that it was a clean cut. He also said that Pearl had been alive at the time of the decapitation because of the presence of blood on the underside of some leaves at the murder scene. Now, Pearl's body was actually found about 200 feet off of the uh, Alexandra Turnpike and a little less than two miles from um, the abandoned slaughterhouse, which is 3.21 kilometers. So without a head, how did they know that this was Pearl? It was actually a stroke of luck that she was wearing a pair of shoes that had a stamp on them, and the stamp said Louis and Hayes, uh, which is a Greencastle shoe company mm-hmm. back in her hometown. And there was a number on it, I guess think of it kind of like a serial number, that was able to um, show that she's the one who bought the shoes. Had it not been for that, they probably wouldn't would have known. Would never have known. Wow. No. So the trial of Jackson and Walling was huge, mainly because of the gruesomeness of the murder. I mean, this was something that we talked about a little bit at the beginning. This was headline news all over the place. These were two rich boys yeah. that now are in, possibly involved in the occult and involved in this gruesome murder. That's just not something you expected to see. So during the trial, Walling testified that it was Jackson uh, that actually, you know, it was his idea to cut up the body and then kind of discard mm. it in different parts of the Cincinnati sewer system. Only the head was actually taken, though, because Jackson had another use for it. Locks of Pearl's hair were actually found in a small suitcase in Scott's room. So he was keeping all kinds of little parts of this. Pearl's head was never actually found, and the legend is that they used it during a satanic ritual at the slaughterhouse. It was then dropped into the well. Jackson and Walling were brought to trial in 1897 and were quickly found guilty and sentenced to death. William Wood, her cousin was arrested and charged for being an accomplice for mm-hmm. helping set all this up. They later dropped the charges against him, though, when he agreed to testify against uh, Alonzo Walling and uh, Scott Jackson. But why would they keep her hair in his suitcase? I mean... Well, he apparently also kept, um, and I didn't really put this in there, but he also put, had her some bloody clothes and stuff that he'd given somebody at a bar to hold on to that he came back and got the next day. So, Well, is he stupid or what? Apparently. Jackson and Walling were both given the death penalty, but they did give them an option for life sentences instead of execution if they would actually reveal where Pearl's head was. Both of them refused. What? Yep. Well, they're some kind of special (laughs) stupid. So stories actually spread that Jackson and Walling were afraid of um, Satan's wrath if they had revealed the location of the head. Oh, I gotcha. So the occult activity was something that was a closely guarded secret at this time, and they kind of felt like that if they spoke about this and said, hey, we went down there and dumped the head in the well, that that would expose all the other occult groups. Oh. And that wouldn't be something that would set the well. Would so either them. way, they were going to die. Right. But they didn't want. Okay, I got you. Well, they would have gotten the death penalty. Right. I mean, they would have gotten life in jail without the death penalty if they just coughed it up. But yeah, but I guess they yeah. figured the occult would come or whatever would <laughs> right. come after them and. They were sent to the gallows behind the Newport, Kentucky courthouse on March 21st, 1897. Now, before the hanging, Jackson said that Walling had absolutely nothing to do with it and it was all him. But when the noose was actually put around Scott's neck, he changed the story and then he said that he was innocent and then he was going to haunt everyone that was involved with this case and the entire area. Oh, dang. So it was also said 
that the evil eye, if you know what that is, was actually given. Like the stink eye? Yeah, like the stink eye. Was actually, the evil eye was given to many people that were involved in the case. And legend has it that many of the police officials and the attorneys that were actually involved met with tragic ends. <laughs> it must have taken them a long time to get each and every one the evil eye. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, I think at some point they would have just said, okay, Everybody enough. just gather in a circle enough. and let me give you one evil eye. <laughs> so that was the last public hanging actually in uh, Campbell County, Kentucky. And there were close to 5,000 people that were there to witness it. Oh, that my gosh. That was how big of a deal that was. What they saw, though, was a botched hanging. <laughs> Once the bodies dropped, it took four minutes for them to die. I just love a story with a happy ending. Is it mean for me to say that's what they get? No, because that is what they get. So after the trial ended, the slaughterhouse remained completely empty for many years. Uh, it was eventually, though, torn down. And a roadhouse was constructed on the site. Roadhouse. <laughs> <During the, laughs> I don't think Patrick Swayze was there, though. So no. During the 1920s, the place became a speakeasy and a gambling establishment. They used the well to sneak uh, liquor up through the river and, and hide it from the officials. So oh, they wow. Actually, so the well got another use that was you know wrong for this time. Uh, this was, of course, illegal back during the time because it was a time of pro- prohibition. So there were supposedly several murders that were actually committed there, but none of them were solved because the bodies were taken elsewhere and dumped because they didn't want to draw attention mm-hmm. to the location because of all the illegal activity going on there. And they didn't want to jeopardize all the uh, money they were making off of this huge venture at the time. Then probation ended in 1933, and there was a uh, establishment became the Bluegrass Inn, which was another gambling establishment, uh-huh. but the liquor was legal now. And then uh, it was bought by a gentleman by the name of E.A. Brady. And E.A. Brady was actually better known to his friends as Buck. And that's how we will refer to him to this point. Now, Buck opened the Primrose there. Uh, It was a tavern and a casino, and it was doing very well. So well, in fact, that the mob in Cincinnati took notice and approached Buck about getting a piece of the action. Now, Buck refused several offers to become BART partners, I guess we'll say, mm-hmm. uh, to outright buy the Primrose. They wanted to do that, too. So they were going. To, they said, hey, we want a piece of the action, or we'll just completely buy you out. And Buck said no to all of it. Well, mobsters just love it when you say no to them, oh, as I guess. you can imagine. So the place was starting to be vandalized. Uh, you actually had um, uh, customers that were threatened in the parking lot. And Buck Brady was involved in a shooting in August 1946, which is when... Everything kind of came to a head. He was actually charged and released, though, on attempted murder charge of a small-time mobster by the name of Red Masterson. This was the last straw for Buck, uh, and he decided that he was just going to sell out to the mob. Mm -hmm. I guess you can't let them join him. Uh, Brady actually committed suicide in 1965, and this was uh, roughly about 18 years after the fact. So it didn't have anything to do with that particular incident. Buck? Yeah. Committed suicide? Buck committed suicide. Aw. So after Brady sold the club, it became the Latin Quarter. And the new owner was arrested several times on gambling charges. And um, the Campbell County Sheriff's Department used to just go in there all the time on a regular basis. They'd break in there with uh, sledgehammers and stuff. And they would confiscate all the slot machines and the gambling tables. And I guess they would just put them back in there. So this kept happening over a period of time. And... That's going to bring us, during the time of the Latin Quarter, to our second story, which is the story of Johanna. 
Okay. Now, we talked about the song that uh, earlier that Bobby Mackey did, and this was based on this legend. So the legend goes that Johanna was actually the daughter of one of the owners of the Latin Quarter. And Johanna was also a dancer at this club. She fell in love with a singer at the club by the name of Robert Randall Mickey. She became pregnant, and her father, of, you know, had some of his mob buddies come in and take care of uh, Mr. Mickey because he didn't like the idea of him knocking her daughter up. Well, I mean, I kind of get that, but wouldn't he want somebody that's going to help take care of her? Why are you going to kill him for her? I don't know. I mean, I guess you just, in the you know 50s, you don't, when you're not married, okay, but you don't then sleep you... with mom's boss's daughters. Well, I get that, I guess. But then she's there to fend for herself. Yeah, so Johanna got wind of this, uh, and she tried to poison her father. And then she poisoned herself in the dressing room down in the basement. These events supposedly came from a diary that was found by Carl Lawson, which is the longtime caretaker of Bobby Mackey's. And uh, he actually lived on the premises, and we're going to hear a lot more about Carl later. But that's how the story of Johanna came to be, is from this. Now, there's a love poem that's actually written above the stage uh, that most people consider to be a suicide note mm-hmm. slash love poem. Her father actually survived, but she did not. She was five months pregnant at the time. Oh, man. Which, that's... Two stories now involving yeah, this property pregnancy, where, the, yeah. where pregnancies were five months because yeah. when Pearl uh, met her demise, she was also five months pregnant. Now, in the 1970s, the building became the Hard Rock Cafe. Now, this isn't the same Hard Rock right, that everybody today. knows today. It, it was a, a different group. It was just happened to be named the same thing. Mm-hmm. It shut down after some fatal shootings. So you already see in the time that we've been here, we, there's talk of a, a woman's head being sacrificed down a well satanic rituals being taken in the basement, bodies that were, uh, people that were killed and bodies taken away during the roadhouse days. Then you had... Two uh, pregnant women. You had two pregnant women. You had gamblers that were, there was all kinds of people killed at the uh, mob bosses had killed in the Latin Quarter and the Primrose. And those bodies supposedly were just thrown in the the Licking Mm. River right behind there. That's so crazy. So there's a, during this time, we're only up to basically the 70s. Well, I mean, I know that's a crap ton of stuff that's happened already. So let's talk about the positives. 1978, Bobby Mackey and his wife, Janet, they buy the place. Bobby at the time was a pretty successful country music musician, and he had had some national success, but it started to kind of, you know, slack off a little Mm -hmm. bit. And he got tired of the traveling, and he said, you know, to hell with it. We'll just buy our own place. And then uh, my fans can know where I'm going to be all the time, and they can come in and, and check us out. So that's what he did. He settled into this little spot and uh, started doing some work on it. In the 1980s, he was so successful at this club that there were lines out the door to come see him. Oh, and this I'm place, sure. This place placed seats like 500 people, and it was always packed. Yeah. Good so for him. Bobby's Mackey's Music Road was actually also one of the first clubs in the U.S. to have a mechanical bull like the one you see in Urban Cowboy. Uh-huh. And it's still there. It is. Actually, uh... My cousin fell off of it and broke his arm. Nice. <laughs> so that's going to bring us to our third story. Because I said well, there were three stories that are really connected with this. We're going to talk about Carl Lawson, who was the first employee hired by Bobby Mackey's once he you know, opened the place. Carl was a unique man, to say the least. Uh, He's kind of a loner. He worked as a caretaker and a handyman at the club. And uh, Carl actually came to Bobby 
and said that he was fascinated with the place, that he used to ride by and he thought he could see stuff in the windows and stuff like that, and he really wanted to work there. So that's how that came to be. He lived in a room upstairs and actually spent a lot of his time when the club closed, just kind of roaming around the facilities. And this was, you know, just something he liked doing. Uh, Carl Lawson claimed to see and hear strange things in the club, and most people in town thought he was a little on the crazy side. Right. Because Carl had a reputation of being a heavy drinker, mm-hmm. and uh, he kind of, I don't want to say bipolar because I didn't know the man, but to hear descriptions, you know, even Bobby Mackey said he had to talk to Carl a few minutes to know which version of Carl he was getting that day. Oh, no kidding. So he kind of had a history of, yeah. of, you know, being different from one day to the next. Now, the people in the town, they thought he was crazy until they started hearing and seeing some of the things for themselves. Carl said that he would double check at the end of the night that everything was, you know, doors were locked, lights were all off and all that kind of, you know, the things you would normally do yeah, when you when lock you shut up a down. club. He'd come downstairs a little bit later and he said the bar lights would be on, the front doors would be unlocked when he knew for a fact that he locked them. Now, this is one we can attest to. He said the jukebox would be on playing anniversary waltz, even though the jukebox was not only powered off, but unplugged. Yep, that happened to us. That happened to us when we were in there. I don't remember what song it was playing. I'm not sure either. But but it did come on when we took our tour and there was no electricity. You know, it was unplugged. I mean, there was electricity, but none of it was turned on. Right. And definitely didn't have no heat in the damn place because we was freezing. (laughs) So (laughs) that's strange stuff. But strange soon became scary. See, the first ghost that Lawson actually saw was a, a dark, angry man that he said he saw him behind the bar. Mm-hmm. And he said there were others there, you know, the regular people there, but nobody saw this apparition. Oh, nobody but him? Except for Carl. Oh, wow. So later, Carl started to see a spirit that he said called herself Johanna. Oh. So that's where all this is going to start coming into play. She would actually speak to Lawson and they would have conversations. Well, rumors started that Carl was starting to talk to himself from these conversations. He insisted that she was real and that she left a smell of roses whenever she came mm-hmm. into the room or talked to him. You know, why would she be there? Because we went back to the story of what supposedly happened at the Latin Quarter. Yeah. And here's one of the, the stories that come out. Remember his name that was killed, her uh, boyfriend, the guy that got her pregnant, was Robert Randall Mickey. Well, Bobby Mackey's real name is Robert Randall Mackey. Oh! Just that little bit of difference between oh Mickey and Mackey. So, some people seem to think, especially according to Carl, that she's hanging around because she thinks maybe Bobby Mackey is a reincarnated version oh my goodness. of her lover. So, Carl starts to notice all these odd sounds and noises that were happening during these sightings. So Uh he would see her, but then he starts hearing these noises. He realized that these spirits seemed to be the strongest in the basement area near the old sealed-up well. And as we talked earlier, that's the only part of the building that remained from the original slaughterhouse was this well. Yeah. Wasn't her dressing room's kind of down there, though? Yeah, but that was part of this building. Okay. But I'm talking about from the original slaughterhouse, the only thing left was the well. Was the well. Okay. So even at the Latin Quarter and all that, that well was still mm-hmm. part of that. So Carl obviously knew the local history, and uh, he obviously knew the history of the well, and he knew that the locals called this 
Hell's Gate. Carl wasn't a very religious guy, but he decided to sprinkle some holy water on that well one mm-hmm. night. Well, that's when supposedly, pardon the pun, all hell broke loose. He thought this might actually calm down the activity, but instead it provoked him and uh, the activity escalated. After this, other employees and even customers began to have weird experiences. They saw objects move around. They saw lights turn off and on, disembodied voices and laughter. And Bobby Mackey was not happy about all this ghost talk by any means. He was convinced this would actually ruin his club and chase people away. Bobby also says that he doesn't believe that the place is haunted. Now, is that Bobby being truthful or is that Bobby not wanting to ruin a good thing that's yeah, going on? right. So Bobby said that Carl started telling stories, and this is a quote from Bobby. He said, I told him to be quiet about it. I don't want it getting around about, you know, being haunted. I got everything I own stuck in this place, and I had to make it, you know, work somehow. So Bobby's wife, Janet, on the other hand, she did believe, and she had very good reason to believe, because she told Bobby that she had seen ghosts and felt overwhelming pressure and had even smelled Johanna's rose scent. It got way worse for Janet, though. One day, she was actually in the basement. She was overwhelmed with the smell of roses and felt an unseen um, kind of wind just Mm -hmm. kind of swirl around her. Well, something grabbed her by the waist. It picked her up and threw her back down. Oh, dang. Yeah. She got away from it, and when she got to the top of the stairs, there was a pressure behind her pushing her down the steps. She looked back, and there was nothing there. But then she heard a voice that screamed, get out, get out. Oh, my God. At the time of the incident, Janet was... Oh, no, don't you tell me she was pregnant. Five months pregnant. Oh, my gosh. She gave birth prematurely the very next day. (gasps) Oh, no. Once Janet came forward, so did several others. Did the baby live? Yes, the baby lived. Oh, thank gosh. It was premature by three months, but it did live. It was only a little over a pound. Aww. Little little girl. I I told you guys at the end there was an interview with Jerry Springer. Mm -hmm. Listen to that because she tells this entire story in detail plus a bunch of other right. stuff. So yeah. very much worth listening to. She's very adamant. Yeah. Even though Bobby don't believe her. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Bobby's pretty adamant that he still doesn't believe. So Roger Heath used to do odd jobs at the club. And uh, he said that one day he was helping Carl Lawson. It was a nice summer morning. He's in there helping him. And they were removing some light fixtures from the dance floor. Carl was taking them down to the basement. He said Carl came back up from the basement and he had two small handprints on the back of his shirt. He said it looked like a, a small woman was actually hugging him. Oh, Because it was like Lord. pressed. They were indentions, not like just, they were like pressed in like something had a yeah. hold on him. Another story came from a young lady that was a hostess there and she said she encountered Johanna. She laughed at Carl Lawson when he would talk to her and uh, he pretty much thought the same thing, that he must be losing it. But she stopped laughing when she started smelling roses at one time when he started talking to her. I mean, what was it? She just had roses in her dressing room all the time? Or what was the deal with the roses? She, she wore a rose perfume. Rose oh, perfume. I gotcha. Okay. Writer Doug Hensley kind of got wind of all the stuff. And he wanted to talk to some people about, you know, what was going on there. But most people refused to talk to him and do any interviews. Because why? I guess they just didn't want to be singled out or didn't want people to think they were, they were crazy, crazy like or Carl. whatever the deal was. Now, once Janet talked to him and told her story, they had many other people that actually came forward. When it was all said and done, he had over 30 sworn affidavits from people that said they had experienced some wow, kind of paranormal no kidding. There. So even after all that, Bobby didn't believe any of it? 
You no. didn't believe anything. No. That is so crazy to me. So Hensley collected several stories, including uh, one about a headless ghost who was dressed in the turn of the century clothing. Many different people gave the exact same description of this ghost, mm-hmm. and they didn't know that Hensley was talking to all of them. So it was, oh, it's either just the biggest coincidence or people actually saw this. Yeah. In 1991, an exorcism was performed in the club on Carl Lawson. It was done in like the kitchen area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some people, there's not a ton of information out there on this, but the, it, it was listed in the book that, that Hensley wrote. So you can actually pick up that book. But there's a video on YouTube that actually shows the big parts of the exorcism. So you can see it. Well, that's and cool. I have some of the sound in that clip from the Jerry Springer show. There's okay. some sound of it in there. So when you listen to that, you'll be able to hear that and hear Carl Lawson talk about it. That's scary. Some of his experiences. Unfortunately, Carl died in January 26th of 2012. He was 53 years old. Janet Mackey passed away February 15th of 2009. All right, let's take a couple of seconds to talk about a couple of cool stories, one of which we, we uh, discovered on the tour when we were out there recently. The Johanna, um, you know, we talked about her situation. There was a wreck outside of the club. There's a telephone pole right there, but a car had actually wrecked into it. And the, the sheriff's department showed up, or a police officer wanted to, but a, a member of law enforcement shows up. And he pulls the driver out, and it's obvious that the driver wasn't going to make it. This is right in front of the club. I mean, yeah, the, the, I mean, the road is right, mm-hmm. seriously, right in front of the club. It's really close. Yeah, from the road to the door is probably five steps yeah it's really scary yeah. actually yeah it's really close so this wreck happens right in front of the club officers there he pulls the body out the gentleman didn't make it at the time the door opens up to the club young lady comes out and she gives him a sheet to be able to cover up the body with mm-hmm. well he turns around to thank her she's not there you know door's locked well, they end up calling the next day, and they get a hold of uh, Bobby and said, hey, we wanted to get a chance to thank whoever that was that, that helped us out. Yeah. Unfortunately, the gentleman was deceased, but she gave us the tablecloth or whatever to be able to use to, to cover him up. We wanted to say thanks. And then he was informed that there was nobody at the club that day. There was, oh, yeah, the they, police officer was? Yeah, the police officer was told that there was nobody at the club, and the alarms were set, and if there had been anybody in there, yeah. Bobby said he would have gotten an alarm telling him that somebody was in there, but there was absolutely nobody in there. Oh. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of a cool story. Yeah. There's also the story that, that Bobby wanted to do some renovations. He had about $100,000 worth of renovation plans. Uh-huh. He wanted to even maybe build onto the building, make it a little bit bigger. And when he started doing this, all these weird things started happening, and one of which was this giant crack uh, just to kind of happened outside, it, like in the ground itself. And supposedly this place runs along some kind of a fault line or something like that. Mm-hmm. But when this happened, that prevented him from being able to add on because it made it unsafe to be able to add on where he was going to do oh, that at. wow. So you could look at that as, a, as yeah. hey, somebody doesn't want it being yeah. messed with right. or um, a good warning a that, good hey, warning. you probably shouldn't have done this. So right. who, who knows what wow, the situation that's interesting. was there. We talked about Pearl Bryant. Obviously, Mm -hmm. she was covered without her, uh, or buried without her head. Mm -hmm. And up in Greencastle, Indiana is where her her, uh, grave is. There was vandalism and stuff, so she no longer has a headstone. 
It just kills me how people do I that just, kind of stuff. I do not for the life of me understand who gets off on that. Why? Yeah. So they had to remove the headstone, but you can always find her grave there because people put Penny's heads up on the slab that's still there. No kidding. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of a cool yeah. story. And I also thought that Bobby, who doesn't believe whatsoever in the paranormal, supposedly sits and watches video surveillance all day long. Oh, he does? He just watches it for hours on end. Because he wants to see something? Well, or how, he doesn't tell anything? anybody if he sees anything. Oh. He just, but, you know, the staff is like, why is he watching all this? Yeah. He know, wants to know for peace of mind, I guess. I guess. Well, those are pretty much the rumors or the lore of Bobby Mackey's. Mm-hmm. So do you want to talk, take a few minutes and talk about the truth of what we do know as opposed to what the myths were? Yes. You know we like to debunk all this stuff. I know we do. So but then for, sometimes it's disappointing. I know. I know. But that's what we are. We like to bring the room down. <laughs> <laughs> so the Pearl Bryant, let's go, let's go to her situation. At the crime scene, a single set of footprints were found leading up to the hill towards the, uh, the Covington Water Reservoir. Authorities found an abandoned uh, cistern that was empty, covered by a large rock, and the large rock had a bloody handprint on it. Like I said, the cistern was completely empty, so there was no head in there, um, but the footsteps kind of stopped at the reservoir. Oh. So it would make sense that that bloody handprint and all that would have something to do with it. Now, keep in mind, there was only one set of footprints, and that'll come into play a little later in the story. Scott Jackson accused Walling of committing this murder. Walling was impressionable and a little slow by all accounts. Most likely, he didn't have the mental capacity to plan a murder like this. He might have been able to help commit it, but he probably couldn't plan this. And when I hear this, it makes me think of the making of the murderer deal with that Brendan Dassey. Mm -hmm. How he admitted to everything, but at the same time... Felt like he was coerced and yeah. maybe he just wasn't very smart and didn't really know what he was saying. That's kind of what, what it makes me think about. So Walling actually said that it was all Jackson. And the night before Jackson was was supposed to go, you know, be hung. be hung, he said that he was the only one involved and he did the murder by himself. Well, that would kind of match up with what we found out that there was one, one set, set of footprints. footprints Leading away. Unfortunately, when they put that noose around his neck, he completely changed his mind and said he was innocent. So he, the night before, he admits to all of it and said he was by himself. Yeah. You know, Walling was a little pissed off at this, as you can imagine, because he's up on the gallows getting ready to get hung. Walling said that the only man that can save my life, if he will, is Scott Jackson. He said, I die an innocent man. I was not even there when she was killed. The crime scene also was four miles away. So that makes it very unlikely that they're going to grab a head, kill her, grab a head, and take it four miles away to do this ceremony. Right. So there's another little thing that could be a little bit of discrepancy. It's possible that they might have passed by the building, but there's no proof of that. Now, during the trial, both accused each other of throwing the head in the Ohio River. There's no mention at all of any type of well or anything like that in any of their testimony. 
Many locals don't remember ever hearing any of these occult stories until Carl Lawson started talking about the well and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So most of the locals will tell you until Carl Lawson came around in the late 70s, there was no story other than the actual murder and the hanging of, of what happened. But, and obviously her head was missing, but there was no talk of it ever being part of a satanic ritual or this well being used for anything other than uh, prohibitioners getting liquor and stuff like that. Oh my there. gosh, that is crazy. So now let's shift gears to Johanna. Remember Johanna was supposed to be the daughter of um, the owner of the Latin Quarter. And if you look back at it, the Latin Corner uh, Quarter, the owners had it from 1947 to 1961. The Cleveland Four, which was a mob, actually owned it. Uh, Mo Dallitz was the head of the mob at the time. He only had one daughter, and her daughter's name was Suzanne. Red Masterson was part of this group, and he had a daughter, but it couldn't be him because in Johanna's journal, it supposedly said, my dad and Red Masterson. So her dad and Red Masterson couldn't be in the same yeah. thing if it, Red Masterson was her, was her dad. So that wasn't it. There was a Johanna who committed uh, suicide by poisoning, but her name was Johanna Reagan. And she was just a few miles up the road off of 44 Pike Road in Covington. But that happened in 1914. This supposedly happened in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. So that didn't make any sense. You also got the situation of back in this day, if you weren't married or you didn't have a job, you lived at home with your parents as a daughter, no matter how old. Like we hear about Lizzie Borden lived at home when she was like 35 years old. Right. And all this stuff. That's what would have happened. No mobster would have had his daughter working as a dancer because that would have been a scandalous deal. Mm -hmm. No mobster would have had his daughter working in the club as a dancer and living at his house. Right. That's that's not going to be the situation. Also, when you think about it, mobsters, they didn't take bring their family to work because of all the other stuff that could have went on. So they yeah. wouldn't have had you know, anybody that was part of their family, immediate family, working at the club. No, right they now. don't want to maybe find out the dealings going on or Well, whatever. it's not so much that. They don't want to take the chance of, of Them people coming hurt. in and getting hurt because yeah. there's always going to be somebody who's starting trouble. So it just doesn't make any sense at all. The story doesn't make any sense at all. So the chances are that's a completely fictitious story. And keep in mind, this whole story came from Carl Lawson saying that he found the journal and all that stuff, but he never showed that journal at anybody. There's no proof that a journal was ever found. This could have just been all Carl's story made up. And then we've got the, the love poem slash suicide note that was written on the wall. Well, it turns out that that's probably fake too because that's a common verse that's been used in songs and um, other poems and stuff like that. So really wouldn't much of a love story. Hmm. So I'm sorry to bring everybody down, but it doesn't look like a lot of the stories that uh, become part of Bobby Mackey's lore yeah. have a lot of truth to them. Right. We know Pearl Bryan died. Mm -hmm. We know that murder happened and we know who did it and, right. and all that stuff with the hangings true. Mm -hmm. But, you know, who knows about the rest of it? Yeah. Well, I mean, Annette, but there's still enough reason for people to haunt that place. Oh, absolutely. Sure. There was all kinds of murders and stuff yeah. like that that happened there. So. Wow. What I want to do uh, at this point is listen to the uh, young ladies, Angie and Laura, 
from Gatekeeper Paranormal. They're the ones who do the tour there. Okay. And I think uh, you will find this fascinating because we talked for about 30 minutes on all kinds of stuff. And they got some really cool stories. And as a bonus, they have spent some time at Waverly. So if you're planning on coming to our Waverly tour, we ask them a little bit about some of that stuff that they've encountered up in Waverly. So I think you'll get a big kick out of this. All right. We are joined on the phone by Laura and Angie from Gatekeeper Paranormal. Uh, they are actually the the paranormal group that do the tours of Bobby Mackey. So I thought it would be fun to have them on and discuss some stories of what they've seen during their time there. Laura, Angie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. I'm so glad we had two of you on. This is the first um, time we've been able to talk to anybody who's done any of the tours at Bobby Mackey. And we've talked about Bobby's uh, on this show, obviously, being a paranormal show. That's one of the top stories out there, especially when you live in the state like we do. But you guys can probably add a lot of flavor to this because I'm sure you've seen things with as much time as you've spent in that place that others haven't seen. So why don't we start uh, with both of you telling uh, telling me how long you've actually been given the tours there. Okay. Um, this is Laura. Um, in July, I think it's July, Angie, this will be our fifth year in July. Yep, five years yep. almost. And have both of you been doing it that whole time, or has one been there longer than the other? No, we both started at the same time. Well, that's phenomenal, because um, that means you probably have really good chemistry with each other, and I would guess you guys are on the same page all the time. Yeah, I think so. Are you two, um, there, are there other members of uh, Gatekeeper Paranormal, or are you two it? Uh, we have, gosh, what, uh, three or four others, um, Jan, who isn't with us tonight, obviously, and then uh, we have Matthew, who is Laura's husband, and uh, also Tanya, she's like one of our, I don't know, I guess, um, our guests, or one of our honor uh, group members, she actually lives out of state. Well, so that sounds to me... I'm not a genius by any means, but it sounds to me like this is a predominantly uh, woman group. It's well, it totally is because Matthew doesn't he doesn't give the tours and he reluctantly goes on a few investigations with us. Um, but yeah, we are mostly female. So awesome! I know um, that's probably going to make a lot of people proud uh, when they hear this because we talked to Amy Bruni. A while back, and one of the questions that I actually asked Amy was, did she feel like she was somewhat of a trendsetter, and did she take pride in knowing that she was a role model for so many females out there in a field that's pretty much, you know, dominated by men? And she said she really hadn't thought about it like that, but now that it was uh, proposed to her, that uh, it did kind of make her feel good. So I guess the the same thing would apply to you, young ladies. It's yeah, there are mostly mostly guys that come on our tours. I mean. There are women, but as far as groups go, it's either a mixture or it's all guys. I mean, it's very rare, I think, that you see an all-female paranormal group. So let me ask you this. I'm going to start off with this one only because, and I didn't have the uh, the guts to ask Bobby myself, but I've seen some interviews in which it's pretty much laid out that Bobby doesn't really believe in spirits or the places haunted and then... It's also been kind of laid out that maybe some of the people were just instructed to say that. What do you guys think? I don't know if you know or not, but what do you think? Do you think that he believes that there's actual stuff going on there, or does he just not buy into it? I, I honestly, I, I 
do not think he believes uh, in this stuff. We did an interview uh, with Bobby, gosh, how long has it been now? Almost two years or more in which we, you know, asked him that very question. And he claims that he has not had any type of you know, paranormal experiences. Nothing has really happened to him uh, to to really make him believe that the bar is, is haunted. He's he's never had that experience. And, you know, and I, what I always found odd about that, I can I can definitely understand how somebody could feel that way. But considering that, you know, his wife, God rest her soul, before she passed, pretty much didn't want to have anything to do with the place because of what she felt like was experiences. You would have thought that maybe he might lean a little more that way, but I, I guess he probably doesn't. Probably not. I mean, he's he's always just been focused on his music, and I think that's all he thinks about is his music. And, of course, now that – because at first he didn't want it getting out. He didn't want anybody talking about the place being haunted because he thought people wouldn't come there. But now here we are all these years later and people are actually paying money to come there and sit in the dark and look for ghosts. So, you know, I think he's all for it now. But at first he didn't want people thinking it was haunted. Well, I mean, it's it's whether you believe in it or not, it's obviously been a very good business move for the bar. So, I mean, without a doubt, that's what he should have done. So, yeah. And I can remember, excuse me, I'm from this area originally. I mean, I grew up here and I can remember people talking about it. When I was in college here, I went to Northern Kentucky University, and I can remember people talking about Bobby Mackey's and that it was haunted. And now this is late 80s, early 90s that people are talking about it before all the ghost hunting shows and before all this was really, you know, popular, I guess you could say people were talking about the bar being haunted. So it's not really a new phenomenon that's happened since you know the ghost hunting shows came along you know it's and my wife drew up uh, she grew up in dry ridge so you know she'd heard all the stories years ago too and and uh so i mean it's it's like you said if you're in that area it was the probably the worst kept secret ever that the place was haunted <laughs> yeah <laughs> before we get too much in depth into the the stories of bobby mackey Tell me a little bit about how you guys started up so we can get a little information on, on uh, Gatekeeper Paranormal. Oh, wow. Um, gosh, uh, Laura and I actually, we met, um, we both had uh, a mutual acquaintance and were invited to uh, to investigate Waverly Hills. And uh, so that's when Laura and I met. We just kind of struck up a friendship from there. And uh, soon after, she and I both joined another local uh, paranormal group and uh, were with them for uh, a year or so. And then, you know, just kind of decided to, to branch off on our own, uh, you know, do our own thing. And that's, you know, pretty much how we uh, formed you know, gatekeeper paranormal. So how do you, how did you both get into the paranormal field to begin with? Oh, I've oh. always been interested in it. Um, you know, since I was a little girl and then as I got older, as I was a teenager, I was the one that was, you know, sneaking into abandoned houses and, and, you know, just always looking for, for haunted places to, to sneak into basically, because back then, you know, it was harder to find organized ghost hunts or tours. And then, you know, I guess once it kind of became popular that people started forming groups, you know, I started looking for one. And actually, I had a hard time finding one in this area anyway. Um, and eventually, like Angie said, you know, we went to Waverly Hills and then we joined the other group in this area. 
And, you know, that was my start in it. But I've been doing it on my own for years before that. Well, before we get off of, of uh, the interview tonight, I'm going to ask you a little bit about Waverly Hills. We'll cover Bobby uh, Mackey's first. But um, our listeners out there would be interested in that because April 28th, we have a live event in Louisville with two other shows, but we're going directly afterwards to both of the tours that Waverly Hills has to offer that night. And they they have 50 tickets available for the first tour. We sold that out months ago. Uh, and then the other tour that night, I think there's only 15 or 16 tickets left for that one. So we're going to end up having 100 people uh, at both of these tours that night. So they'll, they'll be really interested in what you guys uh, might have uncovered that night when you were there. So before we get into that, though, I definitely want to cover Bobby Mackey, since that's the reason I brought you on. Give me an idea of some things that you guys have, have seen on some of these tours over the years that maybe even caught you guys a little off guard or, or that really stood out amongst uh, uh, some of the other uh, patrons that were actually uh, taking the tour. Oh, wow. Um, gosh. Tell the, tell the shaking building story. That's always my favorite. Um, well, one of, one of many. So, um, yeah, pretty much I had a, a, a two hour, uh, group and, uh, it, it was pretty quiet actually during their entire, uh, tour. And, um, just as they were leaving, I was walking them out the door, locked the door, went back to the gift shop to, to finish up. And as I was standing there and I started to hear, um, these knocking noises that were around me in the gift shop and I stopped and I listened and it was not just a random knock. It was actually a a pattern. There was like two or three knocks and then it would stop. And then I would hear two or three knocks again and it stopped. And then I just kind of ignored it. I really didn't, you know, think too much of it and continued on. And then, so I started to hear some, it sounded like bottles actually shaking at the bar. And it was so profound that I thought, well, somebody actually has to be in here. And I thought maybe, uh, you know, Bobby's uh, PR guy had, had come into the building. So I poked my head out the gift shop and I'm yelling for him. Nobody's answering and I'm standing there and I'm listening. And so the bottles, they stop shaking and go back to finish up again what I was doing. And then all of a sudden, the whole building just started to shake. Uh, you could feel it. You could hear it. The, the windows and the doors, you could actually hear them uh, shaking. And it did it for probably, you know, five or six seconds, which is actually a pretty long time. Right. And it was, it was so profound. Again, I, I thought somebody has got to be in this building. So, you know, uh, again, I'm yelling for, uh, you know, RJ or, and I'm even texting him. I'm like, dude, I know you're here. There's somebody in this building and he's swearing that it's not him. And so I even went back and, um, uh, looked at the security, uh, footage, the cameras, I rolled back five minutes just to make sure there's nobody inside or outside of the building. And in fact, there was no one, but it was so, it's just really hard to explain. All you could hear though was like metal rattling. You could hear it and you could feel it. That's probably one of the most uh, significant things I think that has ever happened to me there. Of course, I was alone. And of course, I didn't have my audio recorder on. 
Uh, it always happens that way when you never have your, you know, your equipment and you're never ready for it. <laughs> well, you know, that, that brings me to ask you a question. When we took our tour and it was before you guys were, were doing the tours, there was no electricity, no heat, nothing on during the day because right. they're only open at nighttime. Is that still the case? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty There's much. electricity. I mean, we can turn <clears throat> lights on, but in the winter, they don't really turn the heat on unless it's like seriously below zero where the pipes are going to freeze. Right. But they normally don't turn the heat on during the day, um, I guess just to save money. Um, so it's pretty cold in there during the day. What kind of feelings do you guys get? Are you pretty much, you know, immune to it at this point? Or do you, is there still certain places that you go into that occasionally you'll just get that, that weird kind of feeling or a vibe or what's what's it like for you guys now that you've been there for so long well sometimes i mean it 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 varies day by day and sometimes i'll walk in there and feel absolutely nothing and it's just like going into any building and it just doesn't bother me at all but then there are other days or i should say nights or whatever where i'll walk in and you know a lot of times i'll get there before my tour group arrives just to go in and unlock the doors and you know turn on a couple lights and sometimes you just, as soon as you cross the the threshold from, you know, like where you pay to get in and, and then walk into the bar, you know, where those doors are, mm -hmm. sometimes I'll just step across that and there'll be this, it's just a heaviness in the air. And I'll be like, nope. And I'll turn around and, and walk right back out and wait outside for the people to get there. Because sometimes you just feel like you, you shouldn't go in there. And it very quickly, it can turn as well. You know, like Laura said, if you go in, you, you don't feel anything, but it, it can very quickly, that vibe uh, can turn, you know, where all of a sudden you get the feeling that you know, you're being watched. There's someone behind me or there's someone in the corner. It just, it, it, again, it can turn very quickly. Is there a part of the bar that has has more activity than other parts or is it just random throughout? Oh, I'd say random throughout yeah. for me anyway. I mean, I, there's sometimes, you know, people always talk about the basement and the well as, as that being so scary, but honestly, and I think Angie feels the same way. We've had mm -hmm. just as much activity on the main floor in the bar area as we've had downstairs. You know, there, there is a little room down in the basement, uh, the, the little cell area. If we had to pick the most active spot maybe on the in the basement area, I would think that might be it for some people as far as uh, physical things that have happened to people. But, you know, like Laura said, there it, we also get just as much upstairs on the main level. But most of, at least for me, most of, and it's this is not a common occurrence, but I have had people who have been scratched. Mm -hmm. And most of the time that happens in the well room or around the jail cell from, yes. from my tours. Yeah. You know, and, that, and that's funny. We, we went, uh, when we went the other night, we had a couple of visitors uh, down from Wisconsin and they were taking a bunch of pictures and, and none of their pictures turned out, even though they were looking at them during the time they took them. But it was in that room, uh, that little small room, right before you get to the room of faces mm -hmm. yeah. inside that room. They took pictures. We were looking at them, and then all of a sudden, the next morning, neither one of them had them on their phone. They'd like it was like they deleted only those from that room, and I just thought that was extremely strange. Yeah, it is. I've I've had uh, some things actually thrown at me in that little room um, as I was going into the room of faces. Um, there was something thrown at me in that little area, and for, for and that little piece of pottery, that little you know that little white oh, piece yeah. of pottery. Yeah, yeah. 
I've, I've actually had a, a few things thrown at me, even uh, even upstairs on the main level, um, a little uh, cube of uh, pool chalk around the uh, the bullpen area. Uh, there was, you know, that was thrown at me up there as well. And for those of you listening at home and ha- that haven't been there, when you were in the basement area, you can walk into the basement uh, where the well stuff is, but you can walk in through the outside of the, uh, of the building. And when you walk in, you've got your big room. It's it's a lot of storage. If you if you first walk in to your left, you've got like uh, what used to be an old walk-in freezer. And then there's a lot of uh, stuff that's piled up down there they've accumulated through the years. But then you can take a right and go into that little room we were talking about. And it's, it really is a little room about the size of a small bedroom. And then you go, it goes straight through that room into another room they call the room of faces where people go in there and, and they'll leave little mementos and stuff like that. And they'll try to have little paranormal investigations and stuff in there. But the little room that leads to it, it really looks just like, you know, a, just a small room, but it's, it's dark. There's no lights or anything in there. And that's the room that we were talking about. So yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a, an eerie feel in there without a doubt. Right. What about the bathrooms, ladies? There's, we hear, you know, they didn't touch anything on that on the tour, but we hear, I've heard a lot of stories, especially, you know, the women's room I hear is really uh, uncomfortable for a lot of women. And in the men's room, obviously, uh, almost resulted in, in, in a uh, a lawsuit at one point for Bobby. Yeah, like when I told you that, you know, when I, I was growing up and in college here, and I used to hear stories about Bobby Mackey's, it was always about the, the woman's bathroom and people would be like oh don't go in the ladies room because you see things in the mirror or the water will turn on to be perfectly honest in the almost five years we've been there i've never had anything happen to me in either bathroom i don't know maybe angie has but i haven't now i i have um it's it's been a while it's probably been at least three three years ago um Again, doing a, a, a two-hour tour, and, you know, of course, I don't always go in the women's restroom unless, uh, you know, the our, our guests want to, and, and this particular group wanted to go in, and uh, the water was not on, you know, everything was normal, and, of course, you know, they're checking out the mirrors, and so later on, as we're walking through the rest of the bar, we start to hear what sounds like you know, water running. And I, you know, of course I'm investigating the bar area to make sure none of the sinks are on at the bar. I, I hear nothing, go to the men's restroom, nothing's on. But when I went to the women's room, one of the sinks, the the faucets had turned on. And again, like Laura said, that is, you know, some of the claims that we've heard through the years is that the, the water will turn on by itself. And it, it was running, and it was running full blast. You know, that's pretty common, though, of whether you hear hauntings about businesses or houses or whatever. It's a pretty common thing to hear uh, water being turned off and on. I don't know if that's just because it takes a little little energy to do that, but between doors opening and closing and cabinets opening and closing and water being turned on, that seems to be the three most common things, and lights being turned off and on. So have you ever had any times, and this is for both of you, have you ever had any time when you've been in there either by yourself before tour or on a tour to where you felt really uncomfortable or you felt fear? I, I don't know about like fear, but well, I guess it was fear because I've, I've, this was probably one of the last tours I did. I haven't been there in a while. Winter is kind of slow for us for tours. Um, although Angie did a lot in January, 
But um, one of the last ones I remember, I had to go back in. I think I accidentally walked out with the basement keys because they're separate keys for the basement. So I had to go back inside and put the keys away. And it was nighttime. I didn't turn on any lights. I just took my flashlight and I walked in. And I was almost to the end of the bar because they keep the basement keys in an old cash register at the end of the bar. I was almost there and I heard a man's voice. I don't know what he said. I I couldn't make it out. I just heard the man's voice. And I'm like, oh, no. And I just kind of threw the keys in the direction of the drawer and they fortunately landed in the drawer, and <laughs> I I hop, skip, and jump right on out of there because <laughs> I, you know, it just caught me. I was all the way at the end of the bar, and it was a little bit of a, a journey to get back to the front door. And I heard a man's voice, and yeah, I got out of there. I just, Which you know, we, I don't like that. We hear that quite often. Um, you know, we're we're in there. We hear these male voices quite often. Um, as a matter of fact. Uh, when we were doing the interview uh, with Bobby a couple of years ago, uh, we were hearing a, a male's voice coming from that area. That you remember that, Laura? Mm-hmm. We even yeah. we stopped in the middle of our interview uh, and was listening. Now I can't remember if Bobby said he heard it or if he didn't. He probably um, said he didn't. <laughs> right, but but you could clearly you could hear, and it sounded very authoritative, like it had a very deep tone, and it was just. Again, you could you could get a vibe. You just felt a vibe from it that it, it was uh, an, an authoritative type, you know, voice. Uh, and it was male in that voice. it was in that same area at down there right. at the end of the bar where that big you know red wall is. And I'll tell you an interesting fact about that area. Um, the first documented murder that happened in the club happened right there at the end of that bar, because that area of the bar when the club was the primrose country club back in the uh, 30s the men's bathroom was there at the end of the bar and in 1932 a man was killed in that bathroom he got in a fight with another guy the guy punched him and he fell down and hit his head on a radiator and and he died in the bathroom so it's a little you know coincidental maybe that we hear male voices right in that area at the end of the bar where the first the first death the first murder happened in the club so while we're on the subject of, of things happening back then do you ladies have any opinions on a lot of the um, not gonna say I guess for lack of a better term folklore of what's happened in the place obviously we've got the story that uh, you know, the pearl's head being, you know, possibly put down the well in a, a satanic ritual. And then, you know, you've got uh, the, the all the murders that could have happened from the mob there and all these different, you know, we've got Carl Lawson and, you know, the, the holy water deal with, with the well and, and causing unleashing something. How much of that stuff do you guys buy into or, or actually believe? Um, and I know that's a loaded a, question. If you want a percentage of it, um, too, <laughs> uh, Carl, Carl was a real person, um, obviously, and right. he did claim to have a lot of experiences there. Pearl Bryant was a real person, and she was murdered. Um, but as far as her head being thrown down the well in a satanic ritual, no, we don't. We don't believe that. I've heard there's never no. There's no proof, you know, that 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 actually happened. Or, you know, there's no documentation really that exists that explains her, um, how there's any kind of a, a, um, I don't know why, a a relationship maybe on on why Pearl would have any uh, access to that building anyway. So it's, 
it's very questionable. Right. And, and, you know, I've dug up some information when I was doing research before on this that, you know, and I don't remember all the details at this moment, but it, it was something to the fact of the field where they found her body a while later. I don't remember the, the length of time, but they did find a head that was just a skull or something, which they said would probably almost had to have been hers because of the fact of the proximity of where the body was and what were the chances of just a random skull being there. So, I mean, who knows? But, yeah, I'm with you. I don't, you know, it makes for a heck of a story. I just don't well, know. One, one thing you have to remember is when those stories, um, Carl, may he rest in peace, but he's the one really that started all of those stories. And we're talking, I guess, late 80s. Mid or yeah, mid eighties when he started telling these stories. And back then, you know, we didn't have internet access and we didn't have the access to public records that we have now, how it's so easy to research things. It's so easy to look up old newspaper articles and things like that. So, you know, I think back then you could get away with saying a lot more than you can now because now somebody can can look it up and, and call you on it. Yeah, easier than they could back then. Yeah, you didn't hear anybody saying Google it back in the 80s. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> Guys, I appreciate all your uh, input on this because I think this definitely adds to the story. And, you know, our show, we like to give, you know, the the rumors and the lore behind it. But we also like to talk about what, you know, may or may not be the actual facts. So we like to cover all sides of it. So uh, it's great to be able to hear some of these stories from you guys. But before I let you go, I do want to touch on the Waverly deal. Um, talk about when you guys did your, uh, your investigation of Waverly and how that differs from what you experience at Bobby Mackey's compared to there. Can you kind of compare the two for me a little bit? I know it's a little apples to oranges, but. <laughs> it's oh, quite wow. a bit apples to oranges. <laughs> um, we've, we've been there, what, how many times? On the, probably what, 10? <laughs> at least. 10. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in fact, and you said you're having an event there on the 28th. We're actually going on the 26th, the 26th. of April. So we'll be there a couple of days before you will. Oh, wow. Nice. But each time but, we go, it, I mean, we it's been quiet, honestly, the past couple of years. But it, we've had some pretty significant things happen in the in the past, though. Yeah, we've had some some crazy things. I, I'll tell you a story, and <laughs> it involves a bat, but... <laughs> We were on, and I, I think it was the fourth floor, and if you've been there, you know, they have those um, kind of bars on the wall. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess people held on to them when they were walking or whatever, um, but it was, uh, there were four of us, and it was actually Tanya and Matthew were across from me, and I don't know who was next to me, if it was Angie or if it was Sandy. I don't was, remember. I think it was me, yeah. Was it you? Okay. Anyway. I was kind of leaning on one of those bars. So my head was not back against the wall. I was kind of leaning forward with my hands on my knees. And we were just, you know, just staying in one spot, listening, trying to see what was going on. And all of a sudden, it felt like somebody was slapping the back of my head. I mean, (laughs) like somebody took their hand and was slapping my head. And, of course, I screamed and, and ran and just freaked out because that's what I do. But I think it was a bat that got in my hair, but everybody else seems to think it wasn't a bat. Um, but it, it scared the crap out of me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it was it was pretty comical. Um, I mean, of course, being being in Bobby Mackey's on some of the top floors, there there are bats. Um, you know, some of the windows are still, you know, Waverly, knocked out. Or I'm sorry, at Waverly. <laughs> Um, it, some of the windows are, you know, knocked out. Um, that's on the, you know, the higher levels. But um 
I didn't see a bat at that particular time, but I did earlier. But um, yeah, we we got a good laugh out of that. But uh, well, Laura, you you said that you saw what the big black, I guess, is, is yeah. what they like to call it. It was actually the first time I was ever at Waverly, <clears throat> which was probably like 2005 or 2006. Um, there's an entity there they call Big Black, who's just a big black shadow mass. And uh, Matthew and I were just on a two-hour tour with like, you know, 500 other people or whatever. But uh, we saw him. And that was that was kind of scary, too. Um, and we also had the experience, Angie, on the second floor oh, yeah. by the cafeteria with the, the doors door. rattling. Yeah. Um, I can still remember that vividly. I remember my heart pounding. It was it was kind of scary. And we we've got the audio of that too. I'm I'm pretty sure. But we do. We, we heard. Um, I don't remember what level level it was, but the door at the end of the hallway was there. Were there stairs on the outside of that floor? I don't think there were. It was a fire escape, but they had taken okay. the ladder away because so people couldn't get in. Right. So yeah. you could see the the light from the outside coming in underneath the door. But, of course, you know, there's no way to get to that door. We're on one of the, the upper levels. And we kept hearing this um, sound, you know, metal rattling, like a, like a door or, or something metal was rattling. And we walked closer and we continued to hear it. And, you know, at first we thought it was, you know, Matthew, you know, kind of uh, playing around and, and rattling the door because on the audio, you can hear Laura yelling, you know, Matthew, stop it or, or you know, telling him to quit. But then it would continue to do it. And, and it was coming from that door at the end of the hall. Um, and we just, were the only heard, people uh, in the building at that time. It was yeah. just me, Angie and Tanya, just yeah, us three. Everybody late. else was gone. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. We heard drums. Um, I remember uh, the first oh, time yeah. that I was there, um, we would hear like there was actual drums at the end of a, a long corridor. We'd stop and we'd listen and you could hear it. And it was it was kind of, uh, you know, you could hear it all through the that um, that level, that floor that we were on. And it was very loud. And I remember asking the, the, the guide, you know, the tour guide, what the what the drumming was. And he, you know, of course had no idea so we walked down towards that that area and, and then of course it disappears but you know it stops um but you know waverly's pretty uh it's it's got its own um the the fourth floor is is, is pretty intense i think uh, especially around the uh the operating room did you guys have any uh any odd experiences in either room 502 or the uh the body tunnels i haven't no i those are actually those two places i don't really care to go to because nothing has ever happened for me there i like the fourth floor i like all the floors except the fifth floor i just it doesn't do anything for me yeah yeah the fourth floor in the gift shop area on the first floor oh yeah is is actually uh i've had a lot more things happen to me in that area as well um i was probably i think we weren't there maybe an hour and i you know remember hearing a a very clear loud, you know, breath, like somebody exhaling right in my left ear. And it was, it was so close. I could feel it. But I, I also thought it, it also reminded me of maybe there was a speaker or some kind of like a little machine that creates wind of some sort. And I remember taking my flashlight and shining it up to the ceiling. And of course I see, you know, there's nothing there and there's no one that's within an arm's length 
near me that would have even created that. But there was just this very loud exhale right in my ear. Uh, and I, re- I just remember feeling it and it just gave me chills down my spine. Well, that's, you know, and that's the whole thing. That's why I'm so excited. We're doing back to back tours. We're going to do the seven or the eight o'clock and then the 10 o'clock right afterwards. So, um, we'll have a double the chance to catch something. Hopefully ladies, I greatly appreciate the fact that you gave us some time and came on. And I especially love the bonus information of uh, Waverly. Cause I definitely wouldn't expect them to get that tonight. So that was uh, a, a yeah. fun, fun little <laughs> plus for me. So Angie, you were saying earlier that uh, you actually have seen people scratched down there. Can you tell me uh, the story about when you've actually seen this happen? Yeah. Um, so we used to to uh, help uh, volunteer do some of the the bar tours and uh, this particular weekend I, I was volunteering and uh, I had a group of people down in the basement we were down in the well room and there was this guy I just kept watching him because I, he kept grabbing his back and uh, he wasn't standing up against the wall he wasn't you know standing in the middle of the room but he was standing about you know two feet away from the wall and kept grabbing his back and uh, so later on we, we made our way down towards the, the dressing rooms and um, he was standing in the doorway of one of those dressing rooms and he grabs his back again and then he's you know very vocal he's like al there's there's something wrong with my back so his girlfriend that was with him he had her raise up his coat he had a coat on he had a fleece jacket underneath that and then a thermal shirt underneath that he had her raise up his, his clothes to look at his back and you could see three scratches down his back. So I, I even went as far as asking his girlfriend to show me her, her fingernails. I wanted to make sure that she did not scratch him. And sure enough, she was a nail biter. So there was no way that she could have inflicted those on his back and, and the angle of those scratches, there was no way that he would able, be able to inflict those on himself Um, And what's funny is there was a piece of wallpaper in between his coat and his jacket that fell out uh, that matched the type of wallpaper that is hanging in uh, the well room. Um, So that's just one of the, you know, the many times that I've I've seen people, you know, actually be physically touched and scratched in, in some way down in the basement. Now, I'm going to recover some some ground that we covered off the air because I thought this was interesting point that you brought up. You know, we talked about the fact that some of uh, these stories may be a little more based in lore than actual fact. But what is fact is that place, as far as where it's located at, can just be uh, a mass of energy from various different reasons. Can you... Uh, Expand on that a little bit for me. Um, well, you've got the the limestone uh, hills, the cliffs that are right across the street. Uh, you have the the river, the Licking River, which flows north. Um, from what I understand, there's only a few rivers in in the world that actually do that. Um, we're told, I, and we've had some proof, but then some things have kind of debunk this that there could possibly be an underground river and also a fault line in that area so you know you've got all of these different types of um you know energy that that is a conduit to energy i guess you could say um 
you know, that area is also known as, as Gallows Gap. Uh, back in the late 1700s, early 1800s, there were, you know, lynchings and, and hangings in that area. Um, from what I understand, there was a lot of Native American activity along with, you know, some of the soldiers and, and also, you know, that area is part of, you know, the Underground Railroad as well. Uh, um, you know, and then there was a, a bridge that was close by that collapsed during the construction of that bridge in the late 1800s in which a lot of men were killed. And also that stretch of highway, you know, where, where Bobby Mackey is at, there's been a lot of fatal accidents. Um, as a matter of fact, across the street from the parking lot, there was a fatal accident there. They, you know, they have the cross there. So there's been a lot of tragic things that's happened, you know, in and around that area, um, not in the bar itself. That's Like I said, that's, that's truly fascinating that you get all those things combined um, it, it definitely, it's got to lead to some kind of activity there without a doubt. Right. Tell everybody how they can find out more about, uh, Gatekeeper Paranormal, because I know you guys do some, uh, residential stuff as well as, uh, businesses and stuff. Tell us a little bit about what you got going on and how they can find out more about you. Um, well, we do tours at Bobby Mackey's Sunday through Thursday, all year round. And we, you can find us on Facebook and Gatekeeper Paranormal, or you can go to gatekeeperparanormal.com. And if you're interested in booking a tour, you can book it right on our website. Well, thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk to you soon because I'm sure uh, we might hook back up with you again right before we go to Waverly and hear a few more stories and get, maybe get some advice from you guys for the listeners that are yeah, going. That'd be great. Yeah, it would. Thank you so much, ladies. All right. Thank, thank you. you. So they definitely had some stories to tell, didn't they? They sure did. That was interesting. You know, and I love the fact that they touched on Waverly a little bit, and they're going to be at Waverly just a couple of days before we're going to be there. No kidding. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, so here's the deal. Obviously, we've got some stuff coming up. That's uh, that's going to wrap up most of our Bobby Mackey stuff. Now, we are going to put that uh, 15-minute interview with uh, Jerry Springer, which I would advise everybody to listen to. It's awesome. Uh, there's not a boring second in it. And I wanted to make sure that uh, we reminded everybody that we've got a couple of live events coming up. April 14th, in um, just outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, if you're in that Cincinnati area, Brohio Podcast, Ourselves and Mysterious Circumstances. Tickets are selling out really quick for that one. They're about half gone already. That's going to be at a Roosters up there in Milford, Ohio is the actual name of the town, but like I said, it's a suburb of Cincinnati. And we can't wait to do that one. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it will be a lot of fun, and we can't wait to see you guys. And I'll put the uh, link up on our Facebook page so you can get tickets if you'd like to, to get them in that area. Two weeks later, April 28th, the big Waverly event, Fright Night in the Ville, Louisville, Kentucky. We got Pleasing Terrors, Ourself, History Goes Bump, all doing a live show. And then we're going to a tour of Waverly. So how cool is that going to be? Tracy and I get to do two tours. Of I know. I don't know about all that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope it's going to go good. I mean, I mean, I, for me anyway. So I figured if something don't get me the first round, it might have a chance to get me the second round. <laughs> Tickets for that, I'll post a link for that also, but they're really almost gone. We've yeah, got 11, as of really today, good. we've got 11 tickets left for the live event. And I know we sold out the first tour of Waverly, which mm-hmm. was 730 that night, April 28th. Uh, that was 50 tickets. That sold out really quick. So we decided, hey, let's do another one. And the last I heard, there's only like, I think there were 18 tickets left on that one the mm-hmm. last I looked. So it's probably less now. Yeah. And but we I- can't thank you guys enough for coming and, and joining us and the other two podcasters. 
No, so, it's, it's going to be fun. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, that means the world to all of us. And it's just going to be so much fun meeting you guys. And it's just going to be a great time. It we're just, excited. It, it just means that we're going to do more of these things because we, we are blown away by the response we got. I know. It's amazing. We're already talking to um, Pleasing Terrors and History Goes Bump about doing things closer to their neck of the woods. Oh, my gosh. Really? Which would be Charleston, South Carolina and Orlando, Florida. So uh, Hey, that sounds good to me. Yeah, I'm sure it does. It does. Let's go. <laughs> We can't wait for all this excitement. I want to give a, a shout out to a longtime listener that's never had one, Miss Shauna Johnson up in uh, Farmington, Michigan. She's a Louisville girl, but she lives up in Michigan now, and she listens on a regular basis. So most of you probably saw her picture in the sweatshirt that we posted. I know. Uh, last Thank you, week. sweetheart. Beautiful. Any, anytime you can get a free model, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate all you guys supporting us and. You know, and buying our merchandise and everything like that. It's just, it still blows our mind to this day um, how blessed we are. So we love you guys so much. So speaking of that, to purchase some of our merchandise, so or to, as I like to say, to purchase our merch. Hey, did you just make that up? Yeah. I don't yeah. like it. It almost sounds kind of dirty, though. But anyway. <laughs> Perch our merch. <laughs> so I'll, I'll never forget one time when I went out, I was on the radio and... Uh, I was telling them how to find me because my stage name on, in comedy was The Rent Daddy. And I remember saying to the host of the radio station, just Google The Rent Daddy. And I thought, well, that, I don't even know if I can say that on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, go to uh, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. You could do two things there. You can get your merchandise, which we added two new designs this week. People keep saying that they like the just the basic design with no background. Uh-huh. And we added a black and a white version. And I really like it. It's mm-hmm. simple. But you can put them on any color, and the white on the black shirt looks really good. Yeah, so, I like it as well. Yeah, and you can get, like, neon green with the black logo and stuff like that. So it looks really good. But check that out. And then you can also join up for our Patreon there. Um, make sure that you jump in on there if you want all these free episodes that we do, including all of Haunted Cincinnati that will be out uh, Thursday, I think. Yeah, now. yeah, excited for that one as well. Uh, there's things, I mean, I've kind of lived close to that area, but... And even here, there's so many places that I have no clue that are even as haunted as they are. Well, and on top of that, one of the things that we talk about is the Cincinnati Music Hall. If mm-hmm. you live around the area, you probably know that story. Right. But if you don't, that's one you definitely mm-hmm. got to hear. Yeah. I'll just give you a little tease. Think about an orphanage and an insane asylum on the same property and a cholera epidemic wipes out almost all of them. Oh, my God. That's so depressing. Most of them have no IDs or no money, so they all get buried in burlap saps in a mass grave, and then they build a music hall right over top of it without moving into the bodies. What can go wrong? The end. (laughs) So that's that's what we're going to talk about in the Patreon episode. that's so sad. At least one story. Yeah. Guys, we love you so much. We appreciate everything that you do for us. And we will see you very soon. Yeah, we love you guys, and we hope you have a great week. Obviously, that was Ninja saying hi in the background. Oh, and before we get out of here, we put a poll up on our group. Another good reason to be a part of our Facebook group. We said that you guys could pick between seven, eight items that we had listed for show topics. And it ended up being a tie between the Tower of London and a Robert the Doll reboot. And I guess what we'll do, since we just did a reboot tonight... We'll give it a break, and we will do the Tower of London next week and do the Robert the Doll reboot the week after. Thank you guys for being part of the poll. And also, I want to send another shout-out to Monica. She's a listener going through a lot right now, 
And uh, I just wanted to let her know that uh, we're thinking about her. If you can send some positive thoughts to Monica, even though you're not 100% sure exactly who she is, I'm sure they will reach her. So thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. Two years back, country music singer Bobby Mackey bought himself his very own honky-tonk saloon. While preparing for the grand opening, his pregnant wife, Janet, had her first run-in with a ghost. Janet, describe what happened to you. Well, Jerry, uh, I was uh, upstairs and just checking around, making sure everything was, you know, getting prepared to open. And uh, something grabbed me around the waist. And it was so much pressure and force that I could not get loose. So I uh, was picked up and carried almost to the door to, to where you go down the stairs and dropped on the floor. And then uh, I got loose from it somehow and went on to the top of the steps and fell down again. Were you screaming out? Well, there, I was trying to scream out, and I couldn't. It Did you turn around and look who's like, carrying you? Right. I turned around. There was nothing there, but... Still, the force was there, the pressure and everything. What time of the day was this? This was like a, sometime in early, mid, around noon or so, midday. Just to clear the record, you had not been drinking anything? No. I, I was pregnant. You were pregnant? I was pregnant. Is it possible you felt um, baby pain, baby moving? No, no, no. no. You were uh -huh. literally picked up off the ground. I was literally you picked up. You were thrown down the steps. Right. So, well, I was like uh, pushed, pushed by something uh, down the steps. I fell to the bottom. I was on my knees. I looked up, and there was a voice saying, get out, get out. Were you screaming, crying? And I was trying to scream. You couldn't get anything? I could not get nothing out. No. Bobby, she's your wife. Are you buying this? Are you buying this? No. First of all, I don't believe in ghosts uh, at all, and... We've been there for 13 but years. But that's not true. Well, that's not true. It is. It is true. No. no. Uh, believe me, Jerry. We've been there for 13 wrong. years, and I have never because seen anything or experienced no. anything. Why? Why doesn't he If he me? was uh, pushed down the steps, then he would believe. Uh, she's your wife. No. You're well, not believing her. You well, think she's making Jerry, this up? She's lying. She, she she had been no. hearing these stories. She didn't like the place anyway. I don't anyway. care. She was terrified if of the place already. If he was the one pushed him down the steps and had she all the trouble I had. Then you would understand my side. He had been hearing these stories, and I, I think the power of suggestion. I right. think he was looking for things no. like that. That's not. True. So you you think? Are you saying she's lying? No, I'm not saying she's lying. Well, I, I think she believes well be it happened. Well, you because you don't believe. I, she I believes believe. it happened. Okay, yeah. all right. So, she does okay. believe it happened, but right. but it did I, happen. I, I, mean, I don't believe it happened. Well, well how do you explain Janet's fall? I don't know. I just don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe there's such well, a thing. Well, there was I, something I, there to grab me. Did you wind up? In a, did you wind up? What happened to the baby? Well, well the, I went into labor. At, at the, when, the incidents when I fell down the steps. Yeah. Pushed down the steps and I got to the bottom. Well, it was later. Later. The next morning. About 8:30 that next morning, I had my daughter. The very and, next morning at 8:30, after I was pushed down weighed, the she steps. She weighed a pound and 15 ounces. And she, yes, she weighed a pound and 15 ounces. It was ounces. a premature birth. Yes. Premature. She was three months early. Bobby, doesn't that and, um, doesn't that make you believe? I mean, why would she make up a story about being thrown down the sit with her own baby? I mean, making up right. a story well, is one thing, but well, with well, your well, own I baby. Don't, I just don't believe that a ghost had anything to do with well, it. Well, I do, and I, I believe that me being, you know, her being premature has a lot to do, do with it. Do you get any worries 
about being in your club, Bobby? No, no. Do you go there alone at night? Well, not unless no, I have to. No, he doesn't, to. Jerry. No, <laughs> oh, he doesn't, Jerry. Uh-uh. But believe me, he doesn't. He Okay. Not, not because of any ghosts. No. I mean, this place is a big well, place. Well, there's a reason it's cold and airy, and it has a weird there, feeling about it. But, but no ghost has ever jumped out at you. Well, something's jumped out at you. One time you went down there to check on the machine, and you come home real fast. And you wanted somebody to go in with that, you. I think that? I heard something in the basement sound like an animal, but that's just what it sounded like. It was upstairs. It was upstairs. You had told us before, it Janet. Janet, you told us before that uh, yeah. a ghost once tried to kill you with a ladder. Right, that's another thing. I was, uh, I didn't do a lot of hard labor, but I did mostly uh, get things together to where you know the club could be open. Because like have I been say, known I was afraid. Oh yes, he doesn't know Jerry. He wasn't with me. He's too afraid to go in with me. So therefore, the caretaker do you go had in, to be with. Do you go in with her? Oh yes. No, you certain. don't. Not very. Uh, when we're open. I'm not afraid to go in there. Okay. Yeah. Well, but welcome late at night. Late at night. First, I, I just want to thank. I, I just want to welcome everybody to the newlywed game. Right. As far as the ladder goes, if I had, yeah, if, if, if I thought the place was dangerous, I certainly wouldn't have let my pregnant wife go in there. But the reason. But she's not the only one telling you stories about this right. place, is she? Well, no, but I, you know, I think maybe she had been influenced by what she'd been hearing. Don't believe that. I, I don't, I'm not influenced that easily. I mean, when something picks you up and throws you down some stairs, then you're why, not. Why, why have I not ever tried this? I just don't believe. Okay, it. let me try this. Let me try. As far this. as the ladder goes, the ladder almost fell on. Uh, have there been other examples? Have there been other examples outside of this club where strange things have happened to you? No. no. In other words, and we're not developing a pattern here where she makes the up these stories where. In other words, everything you're telling us... But you didn't want the place anyway. Right, and that was the reason. Because we drove by that place many, many times. Well, tell me the latter story. Tell me the latter story. I'm... The latter story? Yeah. Okay, I was uh, on the dance floor, sweeping off the end a little bit, and I heard the same voice as I heard upstairs. Get out, get out. It was like uh, uh, somebody had a, uh, their voice operated on Larnix Box or yes. something. And it was the same thing. I thought, oh, no, here I go again. I'll never get out of this place. Walked into the casino room. The ladder was against the wall. It started uh, shaking, vibrating, walking sort of like walking toward me. And when it got to almost to me, I just knew it was going to fall on me. And when it did that, the caretaker, which was nowhere around at the time, all of a sudden jerked me up from underneath the ladder or it would have fell on my stomach and I would have had my child. Now, you tell me there is not a ghost in there. Were the doors, were the doors open? No, there were no doors open. Couldn't have been the wind, huh? Could, have could not have been the wind. No. There was no. Okay. No, it sure could not have been no wind. It was certainly a ghost. Have you ever witnessed a real exorcism? Well, you will after this break, and you'll hear from the man who was possessed by these ghostly spirits. is the caretaker of Bobby's nightclub and has lived there for the past 13 years. Carl Lawson says he was living a nightmare. All the ghosts in the club had entered Carl's body and lived through him. 
until Carl finally allowed Reverend Glenn Cole to perform an exorcism. I want you to take a look at this. Charlie, it's time for you to leave. It's time for every. I want to go! Yes, you are going. Am I leaving? Yes, you are. Yes, Am you... I leave? We all have to leave! Leaving. 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 You gotta leave tonight. I don't have to go nowhere! Yes, you do. This body is mine. No, it's not. This body is mine. No, it's not. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and on the authority of God's word, I command Charlie, I command Sam, I command every spirit to leave. Leave him, Charlie. Carl, how did you know that ghosts had entered your body? Well, Jerry... Especially the past few years, I never felt in control of anything that I did. Um, I had habits and mood swings that were just completely uncontrollable. It, uh, it was just a nightmare. I, my life was just completely not anything I wanted to do. It belonged to something else. To... Lots of people have moods, but I think if I got in a bad mood or something, I, the first thing I would say would not be, gosh, there must be a ghost in me. Well, these weren't just like a, a regular bad mood. A lot of other people would... Uh, they kind of named it to me like, that's not you. I had several uh, personalities that were, I mean, that I didn't even remember. I mean, it's like a... Did you go to a psychologist or... In no, other words, why did you decide to have an exorcism? It was a nightmare. I knew something had to be done or I would never have a normal life of my own. Describe, uh, Reverend, if you would, what was going on during that exorcism. How do you do it? I've never seen one. Carl became very violent during the exorcism. We started, I started out, first of all, I went to the club on a Thursday night and I sat and talked with Carl for quite a, a lengthy time and shared with him scriptures, um, something that he could relate to in as simple a terms as I could possibly put them. We went back the next week on a Thursday night and Carl and I went in the back room and I began to talk with him, began to pray and then we went, the, the spirits began to arrive, began to talk through him and as they began to talk through, through him I would talk back to them because they had taken over Carl's body completely. <laughs> Um, Why do they choose to take over somebody's body? Why do they choose to be in that nightclub? I believe that there was a, these people were killed in that particular area. So they would congregate around this nightclub uh, because they're, they're like people. They don't like to be alone, uh, and they congregate in that particular place. Reverend, do you believe in ghosts? In northern Kentucky, there are some strange things going on, and some strange things are going on at the most popular country music bars in the area. The people at Bobby Mackey's are getting used to not only playing country music, but also telling ghost stories. As we learn in Michael Collins' world, they swear they are more than just stories. 
There was a time when Bobby Mackey's was known for drinking, dancing, a little pool, and a lot of games like Mr. Muscle Arm Wrestler and, of course, the famous Bull Rider. But over the last couple of years, something more has been added. Just ask Carl Lawson, the caretaker. More than once, he's been in the basement and seen things he's never seen before. There was two men that was hanging here, like, just like there was gallows. Walk along the banks of the Licking River behind the bar, and Doug Hensley will tell you a history of the occult, which he's written about in his book, Terror at Music World. I learned that uh, satanic worshipers still today worship the devil along the Licking River because it flows north. Around this area here? Right, right here behind Bobby Mackey's nightclub. How long has this been going on? Since the early 1800s. No, many people say Bobby Mackey's is not the place you want to be left alone in when people leave at night. From dishes flying, glasses flying off the bar, uh, bar stools, chairs being knocked over, people being attacked, their names being called, and people being possessed. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and on the authority of God's word, I command Charlie, I command Sam. People like Carl himself, who spent three days going through an exorcism. A recent national TV show brought in a well-known psychic who claims there are six ghosts here, one of which was named Pearl Bryant. And I learned that there was a girl, Pearl Bryant, who was beheaded in 1896 by Alonzo Walling and Scott Jackson. Her head has never been found to this day. On the gallows, both men refused, even after they were offered a life sentence opposed to death, with the ropes on their neck. Both men refused to tell where her head is. For a while after Carl's exorcism, things seemed to quiet down around here, but now the visions and the incidents are happening again. Are they here right now? Yes, they are. Are they I... watching us? Yes, they are. Are they listening to us? They're listening to every word I'm saying, Dad. The bottom line is the psychics and the people who have been dealing with these spirits or ghosts or demons or whatever they are all agree they're not going to go away and no one knows where they'll show up next. Michael Collins, News Channel 5 tonight. And his lovely little daughter They ran gambling for a living It was the best place around All the men would come and lay their money down Her daddy was a jealous man But Johanna fell in love He kept saying the man dealt a bad hand so deep in the night When all the world is quiet Someone came and took her lover's life Johanna, Johanna Where are you now? Could it be you're still here somehow? Different place, all the same with a new face, with strange mysteries hanging in the air. 
People in their sane minds swear they see you today. Are you looking for the love they took away? Everyone knows that you couldn't bear the pain. So you took your life in the pouring rain. You took your life in the pouring rain. Johanna, Johanna, are you really here? Looking for your lover after all these years. Johanna, Johanna, are you really here? Has your lover returned after all these years? Some may not believe it, and I won't say it's true. But some of us have smelled your rose perfume. Johanna, Johanna, are you really here? Looking for your lover after all these years. Johanna, Johanna, are you really here? Returned after all these years. Has your lover returned after all these years?